Florida Matters is supported by WUSF members just like you. Your donation of $5 or $25 will help ensure public radio thrives. And thanks to Candy Olson, an additional $50 will be added to your donation. Visit WUSF.org match to maximize your gift today. This is Florida Matters. I'm Robin Sessingham. A new mayor of Tampa will be elected on April 23rd. The two remaining candidates, David Strez and Jane Castor, debated recently at the studios of WEDU in Tampa on Friday, April 5th. And we'll hear that debate on today's Florida Matters. But first, a conversation with WUSF Steve Newborn, who's been following this race. Hi, Steve. How you doing, Robin? Tell us how we got to this point. There was a big field of candidates running for Tampa mayor. The primary election pitted seven candidates. Jane Castor, the former police chief, almost won the election outright. She nearly had the 50% plus one needed to win the election outright. And David Straz, whose name is on a lot of buildings here, including the Performing Arts Center, businessman, philanthropist, entrepreneur, he came in second. He barely beat a couple of other candidates with about 16% of the vote. So what are the major issues that the candidates have been talking about, number one? And number two, I'm wondering if there were any issues that some of the other candidates were talking about that have kind of gotten dropped now that we're down to just two people. Right. There were so many candidates, seven candidates, they really had to create a niche for themselves. So some of these I guess a way of calling it as peripheral topics came up during the primary debates. One of them was Topher Morrison, a businessman who came in last. He put forth the idea of having aerial gondolas built in the city. How which, fun would that be? Yeah, kind of the rooftop city, he called it. It's yeah. very new urbanism. So obviously that didn't come up. And one of the city councilmen who came in third place, Harry Cohen, talked about climate change. You wouldn't think that on a local level that topic would come up, but South Tampa is very low-lying, and rising sea levels are going to affect that peninsula first before anything else. So MacDill Air Force Base is going to be affected. He mentioned raising the water and sewer pipes in that part of town as the sea level rises. It has to be above water. Don't hear much about that. So what we've really been hearing about so far, the three main topics are transportation, which anybody who drives in this area at rush hour knows is close to gridlock. Affordable housing, the cost of housing has been rising exponentially in the city. And the third topic is job creation, keeping the number of jobs coming into the city and reversing what has been a history of educated professionals leaving once they go through college and never come back. So reversing that pipeline. So what's been the mood of this race? Has it been pretty civil, contentious? How would you describe it? (laughs) Well, it's clear, Robin, there's no love lost between these two. David Straz has been trailing pretty far in the polls, and he has taken the offensive. He's embarked on what Castor has decried as negative campaigning. He's taken her to task on, for instance, a statement that she made that Crime was reduced in the city during her watch in the past 12 years, which includes more than her time as a police chief by 70%. He brought in so-called experts to talk about that. And this is kind of set off a tete-a-tete between the two. He claims they're false numbers, and she says they've gone through Florida Department of Law Enforcement, all sorts of official agencies. 
So that's one thing that has touched a raw nerve between the two. What criticism does she have of him? Well, she says that he doesn't have concrete answers when he's asked about the issues. Stress has come up with these campaign ads that have him, for instance, holding a broom, saying he's going to sweep out the excess waste and fluff. He says he's going to cut the city budget by 10%. When you ask him specifically what he would cut, he said, well, when I go into office, we do an audit and we find the fluff and waste. She's criticizing him for not having any specific answers to these questions. So the polls in the past have shown that Jane Castor was way ahead. She was the clear-cut favorite. Is that still the case? And also, what kind of turnout are they expecting? Castor has made a point of saying on the stump that only 20% of the people, one of every five voters, voted in the, uh, the primary. And she makes a point that this is a race for mayor, and there's also a couple of city council races that affect people directly more directly than for president, for governor, for senator, which always have bigger turnouts because there's more of a buzz around that. So the thing is, you can't really take the polls so much to heart this time because there's more likely going to be less than that coming to the polls for the runoff. So whoever gets out the vote is going to have the clear advantage. And Straz has a big money advantage. He's put several million dollars of his own money into this race. He's got a lot of ads. So It doesn't look like it's going to be such a clear-cut outcome right now. That's WUSF Steve Newborn, who's been covering the race for the mayor of Tampa. Steve, thanks so much. Thank you, Robin. Now we'll hear the debate between Tampa mayoral candidates Jane Castor and David Straz, which took place at the studio of WEDU Public Television on April 5th. The moderator is Rob Lorai of Florida This Week. Tampa voters will choose their next mayor in the runoff election on Tuesday, April 23rd. I'll be asking a number of questions, including several sent in on social media by members of the public. The candidates will also have a chance to ask each other a question, and each will have a closing statement. To begin, I'll ask each candidate a question. They'll have a minute to respond. If I think an answer needs a rebuttal, it will last 30 seconds. Our first question is for both candidates, and we're going to start with Jane Castor, and then David Straz will answer too. Our streets are in gridlock during morning and afternoon drive. Tell us specifically what you would do in your first year in office to ease traffic congestion, Ms. Mm-hmm. Castor. Well, clearly, traffic is an issue here, and we've never lacked for good ideas and transportation solutions. We've lacked for the funding. And so now that we have the all for transportation uh, funding, what I will look to is some quick fixes paving some roadways, looking at a a comprehensive sidewalk plan that goes from the schools out, and then also working on the lighting to make our streets safer. But I want to extend the streetcar from Ybor City to Tampa, that goes down to Tampa Heights, all the way through Seminole Heights, connecting those neighborhoods, activating the CSX line that will go from Port uh, Tampa through South Tampa, downtown Ybor City, East Tampa, all the way out to USF. And then also looking at our our waterways, you know, using them, the ferry system, to get some some of the uh, traffic off of the roadways. And then also having an east-west connector from 
downtown out to West Shore, something along Cyprus that could then connect to the the uh, airport. You know, ways that we can get some congestion and get people off of the roadways. And just to be clear, you would put trains on those CSX lines? Yes, yeah. activate the, the CSX line for commuter rail. All That's right, correct. Very, very good. Mr. Straz, so what about transportation? Well, transportation is a very important thing. And uh, we do have gridlock all over. Uh, the all for transportation uh, referendum, which I voted for and which passed, uh, is a big step toward uh, resolving some of these problems. Uh, I would, the streets everywhere are bad. Everywhere are bad. Uh, so paving needs to be done. All of that needs to be looked at. It's bad all over the city. Uh, sidewalks are important, ditches in West Tampa are important, a lot of things need attention. And I would see that they get attention, and as we get that money in from all for transportation, that's going to fund a lot of it. Mm -hmm. And uh, Ms. Castor said that she would like to have uh, trains on the CSX lines, what would you say to that? Well, I have to see what just what's going to happen and what that would do for us all over the city. I think the first thing to do would be to restore the 20% cuts in buses, uh, bus service that uh, that has occurred. Uh, the the people in okay, and I'm sorry <laughs> if you want to finish that thought. Well, I would. The the people in in East and West Tampa can't get to the grocery store or the doctor. That needs to be corrected. All right. Thank our, sec you. our second question also begins with Jane Castor. A SWAT team was sent into a home in Central Tampa a few years ago to apprehend a young man who was described by a paid police informant as a marijuana dealer. Turns out the man had two joints. He was killed by the TPD in that raid. Now, I know you can't talk about the case specifically, but can you tell us why a SWAT team should be sent in to arrest a marijuana dealer? Mm -hmm. Well, each of those decisions on when to deploy, and clearly that is a, a very se serious situation whenever a search warrant is executed, and those decisions are passed through assistant chiefs, and usually it is based on the danger. If there are firearms uh, in the home, believed to be in the home, and that the individuals inside have had those, and clearly in this instance, that case was proven out and the individual pulled a firearm on the SWAT team members and as a result the officers took action to to protect themselves and others. All right. Uh, Mr. Strass, the next question is for you. I want to ask you about um, uh, in the last week the Strass campaign has put out an ad saying that Ms. Castor was wrong when she says that crime went down by 70 percent when she was in the top ranks at the Tampa Police Department. You're quoted as saying that she misrepresented the facts. Do you have evidence to back up your position? Well, I do. Uh, what, uh, I have uh, uh, people that have given testimony uh, to that fact and uh, what actually happened was the bundling of all of these crimes into one uh, and not telling the people in Tampa what has actually occurred. There have been a lot of homicides. The homicides are up. The 70% number doesn't stand. Uh, a false sense of security is being portrayed when it's not there. Ms. Castor, would you like to rebut for well, 30 seconds? Sure. Uh, Mr. Straz has no idea what he's talking about. Those, those statistics are correct. They have been audited by the FBI, OPAGA, Florida Department of Law Enforcement. We take that very seriously, the reporting of our crime stats. And to base his evidence on a disgruntled uh, 
police employee and his own expert witness that admitted he never even looked at the information he based his his decision on intuition is reckless frankly in my opinion all right well this question goes to both of you the florida department of transportation looks like it's reviving a plan similar to the old tbx plan to widen some of the interstate system through tampa uh, and let's start with Ms. castor do you support fdot's plan that is very similar now to uh, TBX. Well, I think what the FDOT has to do is to work with the neighborhoods. We cannot have any neighborhoods destroyed by interstate systems. And I believe that the neighborhood, which I live in, Seminole Heights, and FDOT can work together in the development of a plan. And they got off to the, the on the wrong foot in the beginning, but I believe that they can work together on that. But I would rather see some quick transportation initiatives that we can put in place to be able to relieve the congestion uh, in our, our community. Also, uh, the activation of the bus system. You know, we went from 96th in the nation to 40th overnight in funding. So we'll be able to provide reliable bus service to neighborhoods that have never seen it before. And we need to um, not only provide that, that commuter uh, mass transportation solutions, but we need to change the culture as well. You know, that, that buses are looked at as a viable form of transportation and, and to be able to use those to move people in our community. Mr. Strass, same question. Uh, the TBX plan, it, it's not exactly the TBX plan, but the FDOT seems to be reviving something similar to the old TBX plan. Yes, and uh, I, I spent uh, a considerable amount of time on the Florida Transportation Commission under two separate governors and what I would like to see is exactly what the Florida Department of Transportation is proposing. Uh, it, it's, I don't believe it's uh, sufficient or will do what needs to be done by simply widening roads. That, uh, that's not the answer. I've already mentioned the bus situation. That's a ho been a horrible thing cutting that service uh, and that's on the backs of the working people in our city. That needs to be restored. Next question goes to Mr. Straz. Um, your charitable foundation, which is self-funded, owns almost a 10% stake in the Bank of Nevis in the Caribbean. That island nation is considered a tax haven where people from around the world who want to avoid taxes park their money. The Guardian newspaper describes Nevis as the world's most secretive. Why choose Nevis as a place to put your foundation money? Well, for a couple of reasons. Uh, first of all, that is my wife's uh, family ancestral home and we have a rental house there. We vacation there once in a while. Uh, it's a wonderful island. There's a bank that was started by the indigenous people. It's an indigenous bank, a very small bank in the, uh, on the island, and uh, they need help. The island needs help to uh, uh, promote its, its economy, uh, and I thought that I would invest in that bank along with the government and the Social Security uh, Administration, both of whom are uh, bigger investors than I am, uh, in order to bolster the economy of the island of Nevis. Mm -hmm. Ms. Castor, would you like to respond to that? Yeah. You know? no, I'm not going to touch that. All right. Well, the next question is for Ms. Castor. The Tampa City Council voted this week to approve red light cameras for another mm -hmm. five years. You're in favor of red light cameras. Opponents say there are better ways to make intersections safer other than enriching a private company and imposing fines on people who sometimes are unable to pay them. Why do you support red light cameras? There are, there are other ways to make 
intersection safer through engineering, through enforcement, uh, through education. There are a number of ways to make intersections safer. I had, when I was at the police department, 17 officers on the traffic squad. We analyzed all the high accident intersections uh, the top 20 and deployed our officers in those locations. They write uh, citations for red light runners and everybody behaves for a week or two and then they go back to running the red lights. And so the red light cameras are a constant reminder that you need to stop for the red lights. And I can tell you that I have knocked on countless doors to tell people that their loved ones weren't coming home because of horrific traffic accidents, most of which occur in intersections in T-bone uh, crashes. And so red light cameras work. None of that, that, uh, that funding came to the police department and we used it strictly as a life-saving tool and I am in support of red light cameras. Mr. Straz, would you like to rebut that? No. Okay. All right. Can I ask, do you agree with red light cameras? I do not. Okay. You're listening to Florida Matters. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back. This is Florida Matters. I'm Robin Sessingham. Let's continue listening to the Tampa mayoral debate hosted by WEDU Public Television on April 5th. Well, this question is for both Mr. Straz and Ms. Castor. Let's start with Mr. Straz. Uh, let's look at what you would do in the face of an impending hurricane. Let's say a hurricane is in the middle of the Gulf of Mexico. It's been heading north to the Louisiana coast, and then suddenly it begins to turn toward us. All the spaghetti models say it will turn directly toward the mouth of Tampa Bay, heading right for downtown Tampa. You have a little bit more than 24 hours to prepare. Tell us what your first steps to prepare and prevent a loss of life would be. You're asking me that. Uh... Well, first of all, uh, if we get that kind of notice, obviously we've got to put everything in gear right off the bat. I would get the experts that, once I'm mayor, that I will have around me that are experienced in that type of thing, get them together to see exactly what should be done immediately. Uh, there's very little time to act on these things, and I'm a man of action. So I will have people, experts, uh, on the staff uh, and we will get on it and do what needs to be done. All right, Ms. Castor? Well, question. I've lived through it. You know, that is, that is Hurricane Charlie, and we are prepared as best we can be here in the city of Tampa. So if I were only given 24 hours, we have the evacuation, evacuation routes down, clearly you wouldn't have enough time to get people out. We have to come out of St. Petersburg first to get them out, and we have, um, uh, plans for uh, putting all of the roadways out of town. So I would put that into effect, ask those individuals that could shelter in place to allow them to do so, open up shelters, activate the bus lines to bring as many people as we could out of the low-lying areas and get them into the uh, hurricane category five uh, structures that we could um, uh, move as many people as we possibly could and get those individuals in there and activate our hurricane preparedness plan. All right. Well, uh, let's ask both, uh, both of you another question, similar question. Uh, over the years, billions of dollars of investments have been made on Tampa's waterfront, everything from the largest hospital to a military base to hotels to high-rises to houses, restaurants, medical schools, museums, etc. A Boston firm that analyzes potential catastrophic damage reported that the Tampa Bay region would lose $175 billion in a storm the size of Hurricane Katrina. A World Bank study called Tampa Bay one of the most 
at-risk areas on the globe. What steps would you protect, would you take as mayor to protect against rising sea levels? And let's start with Ms. Castor. One of the things that I would do, this is a very real problem, and I, I would have a resiliency and sustainability officer in my administration. And then I would look at approaching this from, from uh, the opposite ends. First and foremost, what can we do to mitigate the sea level rise? Because it is coming. What steps could we take, whether it's through our building codes, lifting buildings up, uh, roadways, whatever it is that we can, uh, steps we can take to mitigate the climate change. And then on the other end of that, what steps we can take to reduce our carbon footprint from uh, simple items day-to-day uh, -day that we could do all the way up to large changes looking at the city's uh, fleet you know looking at sustainable renewable energy whatever uh, steps that we could take to reduce that carbon footprint and slow down that sea level rise as much as possible but it is an issue that has to be dealt with and we cannot ignore it any longer. We also, not just from the city of Tampa, we need to look at it as an issue to affect the Tampa Bay area. All right, Mr. Strass, what would you say? Well, yes, this is a, a huge issue. Could be uh, just catastrophic. Uh, what we need to do that hasn't been done is devote some time and energy and attention to our infrastructure th things. Uh, one that concerns me the most is Tampa General Hospital, where I have served as chairman of the board for a number of years. We have the only level one trauma center on the west coast of Florida. It is not only important to us in Tampa, it's important uh, to the west coast of Florida. We must do something to see that they're going to be able to survive this kind of a storm and take care of our citizens huge problem. We need to do that with all of our infrastructure and I would have experts in my in, uh, administration that could deal with that. Could I ask, is Tampa General in the wrong place? Well, I suppose if you had to do it over again, you'd have to have a good look at that. It's centrally located, of course, for the west coast of Florida, but it is in a very vulnerable zone. You can see that uh, during the, the parades that we have here. Uh, it's, it can be difficult to get to. All right. Well, this next question is from a viewer who sent this in on social media. Marla Roberts of Tampa asks, there are many potholes on many city streets <laughs> in Tampa. Why is that happening? Uh, Mr. Straz, let's start with you. Why, why do the city streets seem to be in such poor condition these days? Because the current administration hadn't done anything. They let all this happen over the last eight years. And they'll say, well, we don't have the money for it. Well, they should plan for it. It hasn't been planned for. Streets in Tampa are bad all over. I'm not just talking about East and West Tampa where they're horrible. South Tampa too, North Tampa, even downtown. They're bad and, and it's been let go. All no right. plan. Ms. Gaster? The, the, it's not that the administration hasn't done anything for that. We've been through eight years of dramatic budget cuts. And so I think that the, the uh, city workers do a, an outstanding job of providing stellar services 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And we have a number of roadways. Our budget, our, our repaving, all of our streets are on a 75-year repaving schedule. And we have, I believe, close to $6 million for close to $50 million worth of need. 
and a lot of the roads in the city are county roads that you know traverse through uh, city property. So I would I would definitely, with the all for transportation, use that money to pave some roadways. The roadways are in bad condition. There's no doubt about that. I mean, a lot of them uh, are connected by potholes, frankly. But you make decisions as a leader when you have budget, serious budget constraints on what services you're going to provide. All right. Well, now we're going to give each candidate the chance to ask the other a question. Each will have a minute to respond. Uh, Jane Castor, what would you like to ask David Strauss? I would ask uh, David Strauss, you know, since the primary, all you have focused on is negative campaigning. I would ask you what what are your plans and your ideas for the issues that are facing our community today? Well, I'd like to respond to, to that. Uh, I don't agree at all that it's negative campaigning. What I'm doing is bringing out the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, as I have done all my life in my business career. And I want the truth to be known by the citizens of Tampa. The win, lose, or draw. This needs to be out on the table. The people need to know the problems and the deficiencies that exist. All right, Mr. Straz, you can ask uh, Ms. Castor a question. All right, I have a question. Jane, I noticed uh, from your campaigns uh, that you talk about creating jobs. Mm -hmm. How many non-governmental jobs have you created? How, how many non-governmental jobs have I created? Yes. None. Thank you. All right. <laughs> well, it's now time for our one-minute closing statements. I want to thank Jane Castor and David Straz for their participation. Thank you very much. And thanks to the Hillsborough League of Women Voters for their time in, uh, for their help in timing this debate. Thank you very much. Uh, and our first statement comes from Jane Castor. Uh, Ms. Castor, you have a minute uh, to sum up your closing statement. All right, thank you. I have spent 31 years uh, serving this community as a police officer, patrolling every inch of, of our city. And it was an honor for me to serve our community. And it would be an honor to come back as the mayor. I am the candidate that has the skill, knowledge, and experience to successfully lead Tampa into the future. And this city is gonna change more in the next 10 years than it has in my entire lifetime. And we have one opportunity to create that city that we all wanna live and work in, that city that we'll be proud to pass off to the next generation. And I want to be a part of that. So I would appreciate your vote on April 23rd to be the next mayor of the city of Tampa. All thank right, you. Mr. Castor, thank you very much. Mr. Straz, your closing statement. Yes, uh, I have run big organizations, big profitable organizations, big nonprofit organizations. Uh, with that kind of experience, there is no one better qualified than I to run a bil billion dollar budget like we have in the city. When I am your mayor, I will run your city and your money like I run my own with integrity, honesty, transparency, and imagination. I'm running to be your mayor. Please vote for David Straz on April 23rd. Thank you. Well, thank you both uh, for a great debate. That concludes our debate between the candidates of the upcoming runoff election for Tampa's next mayor. 
Thank you again to the candidates for helping the voters of Tampa make their choice. And remember to vote in the runoff election on Tuesday, April 23rd. That's it for today's show. Follow us on Twitter at Florida Matters. Florida Matters is a production of WUSF Public Media. Today's show was produced by Steve Newborn. I'm Robin Sessingham. Thanks for listening.